Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 86 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I'm not going to do my usual intro with this. I know it's been a while since I published an episode. It's been really hard for me to focus lately with what's happening around with the coronavirus. And hopefully you're keeping safe. And uh, I just want to share a story that last week, my wife and I actually had a scare. Uh, We just started coughing a lot throughout the whole week. And fortunately, we were checking our temperature. We didn't catch any fever or it didn't get worse than just a cough. We didn't have any breathing problems, but we called the doctors anyway, who told us we should just rest and drink and drink lots of water. And we don't really need to get tested at this time. And I just, I just want to let everyone know to to stay safe out there. And I know another part of the world that's hurting right now are the small businesses. So I just want to highlight my next guest, who is a small business owner, uh, Amanda Monday. She's the founder and CEO of the Workaround. It's a f- parent-friendly co-working space here in Toronto. And before I publish this today, I asked her the best way to help her business. And she said, go to savesmallbusiness.ca to sign a petition to help business owners with several things, including rent deferment and other things like that. I'm going to add that show link in the description below, but go ahead and help as many small businesses out there. They represent one third of our workforce here in Canada. I'm sure it's about the same United States and all over the world. And when I recorded this episode, a few weeks ago we talked about a bunch of things but in this episode you'll learn first why it's important to build a diverse team that reflects your product user base second practical tips on how to create a parent-friendly workplace and third how to be more productive with being more welcoming to marginalized groups before we jump in i just want to thank those who made this episode possible now this folks helped cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so i can focus on getting amazing experts that you and i can learn from i just want to thank the sponsor for this episode 42 agency they are a rev ops and demand generation shop you can check them out at 42.agency forward slash gmt that's f-o-u-r-t-y-t-w-o.agency forward slash gmt for a free consultation and you can also find that link in the description of the show well, enough about me let's jump in in my chat with amanda Hey everybody, I'm excited to chat with Amanda. She is the CEO of The Workaround, which is a co-working space here in Toronto. How are you doing, uh, Amanda? How are things with you? I'm great. It's Friday, so I'm living my best life. Well, it's good to know. I, I want to talk first about The Workaround and how and why you started that. Like, what, are, what is your journey so far into getting to where you're at? Yeah, so... It's really interesting because my whole background is in marketing, actually. So I started, my career started as uh, I was running an internet service provider on campus at Western, but it's relevant, I promise, because I was working for a university when Facebook and Twitter hit campus. So this is like 2004, 2005, because I'm old. And so it, it just sort of like, I was I was the early days of community when we think of, you know, that real excitement around Facebook and Twitter are going to connect us in ways we haven't before. And then, you know, skipping a whole bunch of that long story, kind of spent the next 15 years or so working in nonprofit and tech startups in marketing roles, always small companies. So it was always employee number two or three, usually the first marketing hire. And the last tech startup I was at, I joined as employee number four. I left, they were 55, I think. So some pretty rapid growth, like, you know, seeing 
fantastic list growth, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, newsletter subscribers, tons of lead gen, like building out teams, like all that's really great. Um, And it just happened to be that the last tech startup I was working for was in early education, ed tech, as they call it. So I really started to get into learning about the field of early childhood education, supporting early childhood educators, uh, just looking at, you know, why if 80% of brain development happens before a child is five years old, do we undervalue childcare so much? And then at the same time, on a personal lens, I'm a mom of two kids. My daughter is five. My son is three. Uh, Childcare in Toronto is stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Like $2,000 a month per kid. Like I made a good living working in tech and I'd be paying to go to work. Right. So then add on all these layers of like, it's important. I know early childhood education is a thing that should be valued. I know how to build companies because I've been doing it for all this time. I have a marketing background and I'm pissed off. <laughs> so I uh, I just thought, you know, I think, I think I'm going to do it. I think I have no background in entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur. I have no background in building a, big, a brick and mortar space, but I know how to generate leads and I know how to generate interest. So um, I quit. I got a loan from Business Development Canada here in, in Toronto and... I opened an 8,000 square foot co-working space with childcare on site. So the workaround is a co-working space like any other co-working space in the city, except ours is different because we've got um, two, soon to be three uh, registered early childhood educators who are providing like a quality play-based learning curriculum, but it's hourly and on demand. So if you need childcare on Monday for two hours, you can get it. No problem. Walk in the door. That's great. Uh, that's definitely something that I can see to- totally value. And it's definitely expensive. I think you were working at Hey Mama, right? My my wife is a Montessori teacher and that's what they use. And like daycare is expensive, but Mont- Montessori preschool is like, absolutely absurd like how much they're paying for that so it's absurd it's absurd and then what what happens and and when i was working at hi mama what i would see over and over again is like you start to develop a bit of you you get in see social class inequity right from the beginning right because now we're having conversations in this city in your city where you live where some kids have access to really great education and some kids don't so some kids are set up for school success and some kids aren't And some parents have the ability to work and support their families and pay the crazy rent prices in Toronto. And some are struggling. And it like starts from the minute you have kids. And that's like, it's so it makes me so mad that like, I could just we could do a whole podcast on Amanda being mad about childcare. (laughs) I'm just mad. (laughs) Maybe give like a cool note of that. Why, Why is that? Why, why should people care that that's a problem? Like, why, why is it that there's those classes and you're, you're seeing this in tech too as well, right? You're seeing that the gentrification of, of, of certain sections, like in Toronto, you're seeing it in San Francisco, San Francisco, you see it, but why does that upset you? Yeah. And thanks for asking the question. Cause I think, you know, especially when you think about, like, I'm so grateful to talk to audiences that aren't like the echo chamber of parents. Cause I think the like 
parents, working parents, we get it. And so any opportunity where you might have some listeners who aren't really sure about it, like, listen up, it's relevant to you, even if you don't think you'll ever have children. Because if you think about it from who it is that's having parents, or sorry, who it is who's having children, in a lot of cases, they're mid to senior level talent, right? And they go on leave. And so in Canada, we have one year of, of paternity leave or maternity leave. So especially if you're working in a small team or a startup, like you feel the absence of that person when they take off, right? And so then they come back and you think, oh, great, we have our head of marketing back, right? We're so like, let's go, right? Maybe the team has grown. It looks completely different than when they left. But that head of marketing is super stressed now because a huge chunk of their salary, like 60% of their salary is going to childcare. And it's not like save for later, like, you you know, we need to save our RSPs for retirement. It's like tomorrow. And you have to commit for a year. You pay whether or not your kids are there. So you're paying for holidays, you pay for Christmas, you will pay for summer break, even if you are taking two months off to go to a cottage or something just so you don't lose the spot. If you got a spot, because most wait lists in the city are two years long. So like, it's just problem on problem on problem. And what's so frustrating to me is I see a bit of a gender imbalance because we still have a society where we presume that if you identify as female, you're primary caregiver. So the assumption beings, if you birth this kid, you're going to take the year off and then you're going to figure it out, right? And probably if you identify as female, you're making less money. If you're a woman of color, you're making even less money. So now if we put two salaries side by side in a like heteronormative relationship, guess who's stepping out of the workforce because childcare is too expensive. So now at like a huge, at a macro level, a systemic issue, what I see is the earning potential of identified women is lower and harmed. We're getting less people who stay in the workforce. So your head of marketing is now stepping out because they can't afford to be there or they can't afford to be there, but they're so damn stressed about doing pickup at 4.30 that, you know, you've lost their brain space as of 3.30 if you don't support them, right? And it's like all of that dynamic is happening while you're growing companies and your all your energy is on that, right? And so it's a it's a distraction and it it weighs on non-parents and it puts energy back on them. Like the whole thing, the whole system is broken. Uh, and I, I do think it's, you know, the workaround is not the solution that fixes it. It's one example of how we can just, as an industry, as a city in Toronto, that's so innovative and so focused on tech and new models, like let's start to demonstrate that we can support working parents and like still grow great companies and do great things. Right. No, that totally makes sense. And I, I kind of want to drive that home, that point, why it's important to have that diversity in the workforce. You wrote an article for Quartz that, you know, and it totally makes sense. It's something that I, I read and it kind of hit, it's like, yeah, that that that's something that we should do is that tech companies should diversify their workforce because that's their their user base are yeah. are diverse. So you know, like if you have everybody look the same or think the same, then you're gonna create tech that is catered towards one particular class or or a gender or a particular 
race, but like, why is that? Why is that important? Why is it important from a marketing standpoint or product standpoint to have a diverse workforce? Oh, I mean, it's such a point. Like, I remember having an aha moment when I, I think I was reading an article or I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about the iPhone, right, and how the size of the phone keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right, and you know, why is the phone getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem because some people's hands are smaller and they can't hold it. But guess whose hands are not smaller? Like white bros, Mm. right? (laughs) Who are like, I don't see the problem. I want a big phone, right? Uh, And I was like, oh, like if you want, if you want to grow sales and you know if we think about the growth trajectory like early days you get the early adopters right you get excitement people you have momentum it's good right i've lived through past that to where you get to that plateau where as a marketer you start to get not desperate but you start to get hungry for like what are the ways i'm going to bump us up to the next level what do i need to try and most of the time you can't try everything right you've got to kind of bullseye focus on what are the few things that are going to really move the needle and, and attract audiences and if you're totally disconnected from your audience if you don't clue in that the phone is so big that people with small hands can't hold it or if you don't clue in that parents need you know you don't have parents attention between 4 30 and 5 30 because it's the common pickup time or if you put all your events to attract new customers between 7 and 9 p.m which is bedtime like you're totally disconnected from the people who are going to push your product forward right and i also think when you have an active and engaged community base, they look at who the leadership of the company is. Like we're, we're pretty conscious of that, right? We make decisions about waste-free purchases. We look at Uber's leadership. We look at the leadership of, of successful companies and we say, who's making the decisions? And does this company need my money? And if we look and we see, doesn't look like there's any women on that on that border leadership team doesn't look like there's any people of color. I don't see a single trans person making decisions on this, but yet they claim that they're, they're supportive of LGBT issues, but I don't see any trans people there. So it starts to feel inauthentic. And then marketers come back and go, I don't know why my latest campaign didn't work. Like we tried, like we did a lead gen page. We put a splash page up and people didn't fill it out. I don't get it. You have to like truly know the market you're serving and you can't do that if you don't, if you don't engage with that market. That's so true. Like the one word I, that came to mind when I read your article for Quartz is, is empathy. Like you got, you can't, you know, it, it really takes a empathy to build product and market to people that it is, you know, to your user base. I didn't know about the iPhone. That's crazy. Like, are there any other stories like that? Something I can come up with is like, there's this facial recognition, like a few years ago where it was created by white bros and it couldn't recognize people of color because, you know, they tweaked it for that. But are there any other things where like, well, here's the reason why if you don't have a diverse workforce, here's like what could happen. I mean, we, there's, I, I can't think of any specific company, but we're seeing lots of examples of this in like even, so I'll stick to the parenting examples because right. I'm on this train right now. The breast pump is a good example of that. Right. And so like the breast pump as a device is like archaic and awful. It's like heavy and big and like clunky and you need to be like go topless. So it's not discreet. Like if you, 
Like nobody's pumping on the streetcar, I don't think. Like it's it's pretty hard to do, right? When I look at it, I think like who designed this? Right? <laughs> <laughs> who built this? And then you go to look at the companies, and it's like P and G, right? It's some of these larger beauty companies and health companies that are led by white men who don't have breasts, I don't think, who aren't breastfeeding, who aren't needing to pump, who aren't trying to bring this to the workforce, right? And so as a result, like it's 2019. I see people pumping here all day long at the workaround. I look around and I think, how? Like, how have we not solved this, right? How do we not have something discreet and light and easy that's also well-funded, that is like rocket ship for sales? Like, lots of people need a breast pump, but we don't see we don't see examples of, of that. And the reason is because we don't, I, I think we don't value it, right? Like when you have the same type of... You you just have when you have sameness at the top, you don't prioritize the needs of those people, and you don't see that as like wow, well sales are good on the breast pump. Why would we redesign it? Well, because the thing sucks, right? <laughs> and like in high, like there's lots of apps that you know there's lots of AI being put towards hiring, right, and sorting through candidates and whatnot. But it's all built on bias of language and word use and how people, what people put into their application. But we know that women are less likely to overextend themselves. They're not going to apply for jobs if they're, if they don't have a hundred percent of the qualifications. So if the AI is designed to pick up on you gloating about yourself, men are going to get the job interview because women traditionally don't, we don't do it, right? We won't apply. We won't, we won't say we were a hundred percent you know, in our amazing development skills, we won't say we've crushed all our Ruby development because we're going to say, you know, I've only been a developer for 10 years and AI is going to kill them. It's going to take them out. Right. So we have to think about like all the different ways in which our products are serving the market. And I think it's really hard to do it if you don't have those people at the table. That totally makes sense. I That's a great example. I didn't really think about that as well. It's like how you how you word your your job posting can really affect who you're going to attract. Are there are there any other things that high growth teams can do to attract a more diverse team? Like are any resources or any tips that you would have for whether that's founders or or marketers who are hiring? What what are some tips that you would have to to have more diversity? Yeah, I mean there are some really 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 great initiatives behind this right now. Uh, my quick plug for the parenting playbook. So myself, Anna McKenzie, who's a software developer, non-parent, and Nora Jenkins Townsend, who's a new mom, uh, and myself did the parenting playbook, which is a 25-page PDF. It's free. We didn't do it for money. We did it for you know the benefit of the community. And it's literally a step-by-step tactical playbook for leadership and tech for how to support parents in the workforce. And, you know, one of the big pushbacks we always get is, well, you know, I'm a high growth tech team, but we don't have any money. We're not going to like childcare is expensive, Amanda. We can't subsidize childcare. So the whole point with the playbook is there's actually a ton of free things you can do. Like you can not you can have a party where you don't put alcohol out at all. And you'd be surprised how many people might appreciate that, not including the non parents. Right. You could do a brunch bonanza and and not ask people to give up bedtime right you could give everybody um, a day off for their kid's birthday and then watch the loyalty that's rewarded by those people who got a day off 
for their kid's birthday and that you've told, you've suddenly proven how important their lives are to you as a company and you will be rewarded with efficiency and productivity and loyalty way beyond what you would if you just throw up a poster that says our values are inclusivity, right? You know, there's there's lots of really great, the Toronto Tech community is amazing. Venture Out is another organization that, that's promoting so many amazing resources to help teams in tech to be more inclusive. So, you know, I think it's on us to do the work and to listen and engage with the people who are saying they don't feel seen in, in tech companies and growth because, yeah, over time, you know, if we create more of the same, what we're going to see is the same sort of tech clash and backlash that we're seeing unfold in Silicon Valley. And I don't think anybody in, in Toronto and in Canada wants that, right? I think we're, we're excited about it because there's a lot of real opportunity here and we can be optimistic about it. And it's not that hard. <laughs> It's not that hard. Like, uh, really, I, I build a co-working space. Everybody says, well, are you crazy to put childcare? Like, that's a that's an expensive business. I'm like, guess what? Not that hard. Like, people pay for the service. I pay my staff. We have a classroom. They're kids. They're cute. It's not that hard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. funny. <clears throat> are there... Other than the workaround, I mean, you're doing really great work with that. But are are there any other companies that you're s saying it's like they're really um, standing out as exemplifying that they're trying to attract diversity, they're trying to support parents, and they're trying to go against that f bro frat house environment that you see in Silicon Valley? I mean, a lot of my examples are, are local to Toronto, of course, because that's where my community is and where I watch. But there are a few, like Queer It, that's run by R.C. Woodland. That is, like, they're doing a great job in providing tech Right. Like it's a agency content marketing web company where um, you can hire LGBT and trans folks all for any sort of marketing or tech or content leads that you want. TWG, the working group, is a growing company that I've known for a number of years, actually, because one of the startups I used to work for was in an office there at their building. So I saw them when they were small and we interviewed a lot of their team leadership and and entry levels around how they've really built an inclusive workspace. They have a nursing suite in the office. They're really conscious of who they're bringing on board to hire. Their team is doing a really good job. Like, I, I really think they live the values they promote. Fresh Books is another Canadian celebrity that I, I do think they've made a lot of really good moves. And, and I think they're really trying to listen to their audience as they go. So like, they're there. You know, we watch them, we hear them. I think you, you have to talk and look for people who look like you and sound like you and are passionate about you. And the more we share their stories and promote those companies and put our dollars behind them, like we'll see more of those companies and less of just the same old like tech bro thing. When we come back in just a moment, Amanda shares practical tips on how to promote diversity to help you grow your user base. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are our RevOps and Demand Generation shop. And they help B2B SaaS businesses streamline operations, implement new tech stock, and design ABM and demand generation strategies. Now, they help you create a predictable revenue pipeline. Their past clients include OnFleet, HubDoc, 
GuestLogix, FlexDay, and more. You can book a free consultation at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O dot agency forward slash GMT. And I know that my friend there, Camille, he is the founder of that agency. He knows what he's doing. So shout out to him. Go check it out. The link is in the description of this show. And if you're interested about getting an ad-free version of this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to sponsor this podcast for as little as two dollars per episode well enough about this let's jump back in in my chat with amanda i kind of want to switch gears to talk something a little bit more personal do you have any horror stories as in, in deck as, as a woman because i read in that quartz art, article you you shared a story that was like that's that's crazy where i think you 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 were being onboarded for a company and they wanted you to see some really explicit stuff yeah or sites yeah but are there any other like any specific horror story that you can share yeah i mean there's a lot uh so i um like i said i i mean i've been in tech and i'm when i say tech i mean like literally proxy management dhcp server management in 2001 like i i mean running isps and i was the i was the only identified woman on that team of 25. So I rolled in and it was me and 24 dudes. And I think the very first thing somebody said to me, and like, this is early days. Like I'm a young woman. I think, I don't even know if I was 20, 20 years old. Somebody said like, oh, you know, you're going to be just like attacked on your way home. Like 24 guys are going to just melt over you. And I thought, awesome. Like I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to get a job here so I can pay for university. And I just got told by one of my colleagues, like there's a 24, there's 24 dudes who might want to try to sleep with me or that I could be attacked on my walk home. Right. And then like, take that with all the anxiety of moving away from home and starting university, like it was awful. Um, I have so many, I have so many big and small, like I can, I've sat at tables where I've said, I think that there's a better automated solution that we can look at integrating all of these. Cause you know, we use these cloud tools for everything. We've got the MailChimp and the Zapier for this and the, this and the, that. and there's like 5,000 tools. And I can remember sitting around a boardroom, a table of executives and saying, like, I really just want to simplify this. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel clean. I think there's a better way. And the response was like, well, do you know exactly how you would deploy it? And I thought, well, no, but I, you know, I'm going to get there. I just like the intention is to clear it. And they're like, maybe you should ask your husband about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you should ask your husband because my husband's a software engineer. And so it was like, maybe you should consult with your husband on the plan and then come back to us. And I thought, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, uh, it was sm it's small, but it was like, it's such a perfect example of what we see all the time. It was like, do you, like, are you sure you can do it? Right. And yeah, I've been shown porn more times than we have time on this podcast to talk about at work where it's like, hey, Amanda, check this picture out. Or, hey, Amanda, do you want to see this on my phone? Or, hey, Amanda, there's that. Like that happens all the time. All the time it's happened to me. Downright to like feeling like I was being harassed. Like I have more stories and and, and I'm not unique and people have had it much worse than me in the city of Toronto. We've seen that with the Planswell stuff and so, you know all of the different breakouts that that I think people are starting to talk about with me too. And so um 
you know, I think we're naive to believe that this isn't happening in Toronto. Um, and I think we're naive to believe that it's getting better. Yeah, I think that's true. Especially with, with what happened with Plantswell, like that totally sh shocked me. I was uh, away with my wife for her birthday when it that came up and I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like I, you would expect that story in, in Silicon Valley, right? But it, it hit close to home. And you know what pissed me off about that story? Why, where was the Globe and Mail? Where's the Toronto Star? Like, what's up? Why is like I, all the love in the world to the tech dailies of our city and the small, you know, outlets, but like, where, where, where's CP24? Like, give me a break. This is some pretty serious allegations. And uh, this is so indicative of so many other companies. And even if you're like, well, you know, they're a small tech company, whatever, but like use them, it's public and it's blowing up. So use them as an example, bring that CEO out, let's call out the CEO and talk about what his reaction is, why it's problematic, how other tech leaders can do better. And of all the stories we could be covering, why our media, why our national media, why our local media and mainstream outlets didn't make this a bigger story <clears throat> makes me really angry because I do worry that we, again, are trying to maintain sameness and not disrupt the systems that are in place, right? We need to see more VC-funded more VC funded companies run by women, people of color, and marginalized genders. And we need to see more VCs <laughs> of marginalized genders. And uh, we need to, like, otherwise we're just going to replicate the valley. Yeah, I, I still don't get it. It was only BetaKit that released something. But, you know, I think they're also trying to portray that Toronto is good. Toronto is... Right. You know, it's not it's not Silicon Valley, but like there is that culture does come down. Like there are people, who, you know, it's it's not it's not a city problem. I think it is systemic, like you said, and it, it's not related to a, a location. It's systemic. I don't think it's always intentional. I think we have good, you know, there's good lots of goodness here. There's lots of ways that we are different, but we need to be very, I think we can do a good job at really setting an example. Like what I always say about supporting parents in the workforce is this doesn't have to be work, right? We don't, it doesn't have to be this hard thing for tech companies to build out diverse workforces or for marketing, those in marketing to lean into building out marketing materials that show a diverse customer base. It actually could be an awesome opportunity to be different. And guess what we love to do in tech? We love to lead and win, right? And we love to be like ahead. You want to be a game changer? Like take this as the secret sauce that puts you ahead of everybody else, right? Like you could actually look at all of this as your differentiator and not a heavy thing that you have to now go and invest all this money into quote fixing. What are some other ways, you know, like um, what are other ways that people can be more intentional about creating that that culture and that environment for for like marginalized people and 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 different kind of genders. I think we should. I, I really think it comes to what I try to do here at the workaround. You know, because I can acknowledge that I'm a white woman and privileged and have a whole bunch of privilege in how I identify. You got to ask. You know, you got to ask, and you got to create the space to have those conversations. So. 
we are very good at automation. I, you know, we run out a lot of automated surveys here um, in different ways. So thinking about pedagogical approaches in, you know, how are we doing? How can we do better? What is it that you would like to, what are two things you would like to see our company do that would help you? So you can ask your employees, you know, next time you have an all hands, you can say you need the leadership to stand up and say, I genuinely want to know two things this company could do to make you marginalized person in the room feel more comfortable. And I don't want the opinion of the white bro. (laughs) Because we don't need their opinion on this, right? Like, like, let's or stay, you know, like, we're going to make a bigger effort to support parents. So I would really like the parents to email me one suggestion that's meaningful to you, and then deploy it, right? Like you, it's not that hard to come up with an action list if you just ask people and you can do it constantly, right? Like you can send out surveys, they can be short, you can put out, test things. We love a good QA, right? So put, do an event differently for your team and then ask everybody what that was like for them. Ask them how they felt, ask, ask them how you could do better next time, put different people in charge of of your team. So if you look at your QA team and it looks pretty, you know, pretty same one way or another, then think about, okay, how do we change this up, right? How do we, how do we diversify our individual teams, our social committees, who's in charge of the office management and all of the sort of ways we take care of our employees? Who's, who, who are the people who are doing this work and how do we change that up? How, how about for companies that we're seeing, like for example, this two Squadcast, they came out with their advisory board and they're five white men. A lot of podcasts, I'm not sure. And I've started tracking this because somebody called me. I was like, 80% of your podcast guests are dudes and i'm seeing business podcasts and marketing podcasts like a lot of related to marketing are mainly like white dudes talking to white dudes do what do we do about it do do we call it out like do we just you know start what would you do when you see something that it's you you're it's obviously doesn't feel right that it's like they've kind of put this together like what what would you do in that case yeah it's a good question i don't have the perfect answers i I do think, so I liken it to hiring, right? So I have been on a lot of conversations about how do you hire more diversity in development? How do we get, you know, women in tech, hot topic, women in tech, women in tech. You have to be willing to wait. And that's very hard for growth marketers, (laughs) tend to be a little impulsive and impatient. It's very hard for podcast guests who have momentum and you, you know, you want to put out an episode next week and you want to keep going because your audience hears it. If you don't have somebody ready at that moment, like, wait, right? I think we can wait. We can say, you know, we put out a call. We're looking for a person of color to speak on marketing growth in blockchain. That person exists. They're there, right? So instead of being like, well, we looked for 30 seconds and we didn't find that <laughs> both, so we're going to go with another dude. Um, wait, wait. Right. Wait until you find the person. Ask, ask somebody, ask them again. You can Google. There are lots of lists. Uh, there's lots of great companies. It's the same with speakers. Right. We've seen a great site, Women in Color now that's uh, promoting different people of color and women for speaking panels and tech panels. Right. Like we're seeing lots of different ways that the, the old excuse of, well, this is who is available 
or this is who's the most qualified, or this is who was there at the time, I think is not sufficient for us who have platforms. So I'm, I'm grateful that you are thinking about it as somebody who has a platform in public to say, I'll make a point. I'm going to make a point to wait. I'm going to make a point to find some diversity in who I'm talking to because it's important. And I'm going to model it so that more people do it. And then we I, and then we amplify the different organizations and podcasts and newsletters and blogs that are also doing that so that we all kind of get louder together, right? Instead of feeling like we're competing with each other. I'd just like to wrap up really quick. What is your one advice to to just, we've talked a lot about this, but to founders and marketers relating diversity and other things? It's okay to say you don't know. I th it's okay to make mistakes. I'm not perfect. The workaround is not perfect. I don't have all the answers. And I think it's okay to say you're not sure. I, I don't think it's not okay to keep doing what you've been doing. So it's okay to try and make mistakes. That's better than leaving things the way they are. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I get, they give you shivers. Yeah. yeah, it's true. We don't always have all the answers. And it goes back to you saying, you know, asking, asking how, how can we support you? Yeah, yeah. just ask me, how hard is it? Like, we love data. We love, we love <laughs> a good persona chart. Come on. We want to do classic target audience. We love this work. We love That's it. That's so good. Turn it on ourselves already. That's so good. Uh, last question, where, where can people find out more about you and the workaround online? Uh, yeah, so the workaround in the actual space, you're always welcome here, is uh, in Toronto at Danforth and Woodbine. You can find me online at theworkaround.ca and on Instagram at theworkaround uh, and on Twitter. And I personally am ranting about all of this on a regular basis on Twitter. And I'm Amanda Bella. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great chat. Well, that's it for this episode. I just want to share with you my takeaways from this episode. First, build a diverse team that reflects your user base. Amanda brought up the phone uh, example of the iPhone. Uh, it keeps getting bigger and bigger to the point that people with small hands like me can't use it anymore. When we have a homogeneous team, we're more likely to embed our biases when we create and market products. Second, when throwing parties, you don't have to put out alcohol all the time. You'd be surprised how many people might appreciate that. Maybe do a brunch event because parents might want to go home to have dinner with the family. And third, as leaders, we also have to be more pro proactive with being more welcoming to marginalized groups. The way you do that is just by asking people how you can make them feel more comfortable in the workplace. Now, did I miss something? Share with me takeaways from this episode. You can find me on Twitter at RamleyJohn or email Ramley at growth today. FM. Now, once again, earlier I asked Amanda how we can best help small businesses. One of the things she said is just go to savesmallbusiness.ca to sign a petition to help business owners with things like deferring their rent payment and other things like that. So go to savesmallbusiness.ca. I've added that link below. And before we end, I just want to thank my sponsor for this episode. Now, this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. They are a RevOps and demand generation shop. You can check them out at 42.agency forward slash GMT. That's F-O-U-R-T-Y-T-W-O dot agency forward slash 
GMT for a free consultation. And you can also find that link in the description of the show. And if you're interested about getting an ad-free version of this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash grow today to sponsor this podcast for as little as $2 per episode. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, And if you enjoy this, share with your friend. uh, And you can also join the mailing list on the website. And third, support me on Patreon for as little as $2. Like I previously mentioned, you can get an ad-free version of this podcast. Uh, All of this helps support this show so I can pay for my hosting fees, marketing tools, and I can focus on getting more amazing guests. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Randy John. Keep safe. And as always, keep on growing. Passion, passion.